0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Techler Talks 6. Right today, 6? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, I think so. So we're we're pretty casual. Today's definitely a casual one. Um, We loosely were just like, oh, crap, what are we going to talk about? And today we wanted to talk about oversaturation and maybe desaturation in certain areas in the privacy community. And what we mean by that is, um, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like there's like a million privacy-based messengers, and they all more or less do similar things. And I feel like we don't need another messenger. And I want to talk about the consequences and maybe the positives of having so many options and in some of the areas where we feel, there's like no privacy options. Um, so I feel like this can be a discussion here that's good. I mean, I'm always looking at the privacy tools and obviously you run privacy guides. And so like you're also constantly looking at privacy tools as well. And so I feel like we have a pretty good broad like gauge of this concept. So it should be fun to talk about this.
1: Sure. I don't know if I agree with your Uh, general premise that uh there's too many messengers first of all interesting (laughs) okay so let's start there i mean just because i feel like there's not really any messengers that i really like to use and um even that like i could get many people in my life to use i think Signal's probably the closest but i think a lot of people uh share my issue with not being able to get people on signal you know
0: yeah, so do you think Signal's unable to get new people because it's missing something or or multiple things? Or do you think that people are just so familiar with their normal tools that they don't want to migrate?
1: I think um, it could be that for sure. Um...
0: I guess, like, what is Signal missing that is making it, that is preventing it? Like, what could a new messenger do that Signal's not doing that wouldn't make it a redundant service? Because we've talked about this and like with uh, other messengers. To
1: be honest with you, maybe, maybe I don't feel this strongly about messengers. Because actually, this just comes back to my only issue with Signal, which is that it doesn't have usernames. So, like, <laughs> I guess in this case, it could just be one thing that could be fixed. Um, because I feel like yeah. I can't use it to talk to a lot of people if I don't want them knowing uh, the phone number that I use for it. You know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because that's kind of my problem is. I don't mind name-calling here, Session. Session has a few selling points, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, But I really think what it comes down to is the lack of phone number requirement. And in order to do that, Session actually has some drawbacks in its security that Signal beats it in. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like a Session is better in everything kind of comparison. It's just Session solves one big issue with Signal, and in doing so, creates some other problems. And it creates some good positives as well, because Session is... Um, more decentralized no, It's not decentralized it's um is it technically decentralized or is it um
1: i don't know exactly how session works anymore because they keep <laughs> changing it but last i heard you needed like thousands of dollars to run a node yeah that does that does something that, i don't know exactly how much power it gives you in the network so
0: <laughs> that's why I'm, most of the other servers seem to be owned by them so i yeah. do question that's why i'm saying like I know like it's kind of claimed to be decentralized and I know it's tor routed, but I, that's why I'm, so what's going to happen when someone new comes out and it's like, oh, we don't like Session's implementation of decentralization. So we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to change a little thing here. Do yeah. you think that's a good use of the time of people or do you think it's better for us? The problem with Signal is they, they run everything like a dictatorship. They don't want anyone else contributing anything to it.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, and we are kind of seeing that happening with like, have you seen Simple X, that new messenger? Yes, um, you sent that one to me. Yeah, I think uh, we're we're seeing new messengers come up. Uh, I think because Signal won't implement certain features or takes forever to do it because they cause they kind of have their own path that they follow. I don't think that they accept too many open source contributions. Um, even though it's an open source platform, uh, just because they do everything themselves to like some super strict standard um would you consider that to be oversaturate? Ah, i can't even talk oversaturation if the like open source community is creating new apps to like fill in gaps that other solutions are missing
0: i think it feels like oversaturation because it feels like every messenger is just solving one complaint it has with signal yeah not actually replacing everything signal does that's my issue. there's not people say like well, this is better than signal. it's like well, the usability's not better. it doesn't have the same features as signal has, and it actually is like not as secure as signal, so it's not better than signal it just solves one issue with signal yeah and I feel like that's, that's what everything is everything solves just one issue with signal, but signal still seems to be like the standard mm-hmm. um for like privacy and security for a messenger even though it has that phone number requirement um so that's why it feels oversaturated it feels like Every day I'm seeing a new messenger pop up that just solves one complaint with another messenger rather than there actually just being a behemoth of a messenger that actually does it all. Yeah. That's why it feels oversaturated to me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that, I mean, that's a problem with not just like privacy apps, but the open source community in general. There's a lot of like open source tools that do one thing because it's really easy to make a tool. Like relatively speaking, developmentally, to make a tool that does one thing really well, um, but to make a tool that does like, that completes its purpose in many different ways with many different features it's like a it's a very complex task. like it's easy to send a message from one computer to another, but to make like a, a messenger like signal with um, with all of its features is is tough.
0: Yeah, and its features and with the way that it's built from a privacy and security perspective, too. Mm-hmm. Like, what Signal does is, like, no one's ever done it before. It's pretty cool. Right. Like, all these big tech companies that have, like, some of the most talented people on them still rely on Signal because Signal figured it out before them, which is pretty cool. Um, but what you said actually made me think of Linux distributions. Because <laughs> this whole open source world, there's, like, a million dist- Linux distributions. Right. I, I've, there's been random people that just like follow us on Twitter that I'll quickly just like check out their profile and it's like, oh, I'm a developer for a Linux distro. And I look into it and it's just like a fork, of fedora with like one feature they wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So we made a whole Linux distro just to get this one feature in there. And that's how I feel like messengers are. And I feel like maybe a lot of things in the open sor- source world, as you said, kind of do that. And I guess I, I want to ask, is that a bad thing? I think it's part of the open source. That's part of open source. Like, anyone can do what they want with the code. And that's, like, they're they're executing their right to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it almost devalues the original project and the amount of work that went into the the original project. And it might make it harder for a consumer to make a decision. Like, it's much easier to tell someone, hey, to... Why don't you move away from Windows to this open source operating system? It's this. Mm-hmm. Rather than move to Linux, you have a million options now. Yeah. Each of them have pros and cons. You now need to decide which one to move to. And it's like, well, I don't know because they never used it before. And now it's like a whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think that is definitely the problem with, with Linux and a lot of open source stuff. Like, uh, just, there's, there's so many tools where like, a lot of people in, in the open source community um are okay with using tools that for like one specific need and they'll like switch between messengers depending on like which one is best for a specific use case right but not a lot of uh not a lot of other people are willing to do that and if there's not like an all-in-one app um they won't use any of them at all um so i think a lot of a lot of projects will run into that issue
0: interesting so you think the user base of open source projects might be more willing to use multiple tools and yeah. almost like, oh, interesting. I've never thought of it that way before. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, because I'm not like that at all. Like, <laughs> I I, I know, tell yeah. people, like, I am on Signal. We're doing consulting. We are using Signal. It is proven. It is the most secure thing. I feel comfortable, like, having clients on. Um, and I have everyone moves to use Signal. Like, we got rid of our Telegram community. That's it. All Telegram contacts. You're out of here. I'm not using multiple messengers. Like, it's just a disaster for me. Mm-hmm. So I, that, that's like a, an eye-opener for me there, for sure, because yeah, I've never I thought think, of that before.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people in this community aren't like that, so...
0: You're right, because I'm even thinking some people, like I, I, a common one I hear is simple login versus anonaddy. For mm-hmm. those listening, those are two email forwarding aliasing solutions that you can generate, just email aliases on the fly, and they're pretty similar in most things. And then people in our community typically respond, just use both. And I'm thinking, how I, I already feel overwhelmed with like the hundreds of email aliases I generate just in simple login. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine using two services, having two extensions, two apps, two of everything. Like that just sounds overwhelming, but that's unironically something I see quite a bit Interesting. when people talk about it.
1: That would be difficult. <laughs> um but I wonder if there's there might be open source tools that make that easier too. Like I don't I don't know if Bitwarden allows you to connect like multiple Alias providers or not, um, but
0: uh, <laughs> may well even if so. Bitwarden does simple login, right?
1: Right. And I think even, I thought they did N on Eddie too.
0: Interesting. But I, Maybe. But I'm not
1: sure about that. I'm not a Bitwarden user. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, are you a LastPass user? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. That was what we were going to talk about. Yeah. If we did our Techler talks last <laughs> week, but we didn't. <laughs> i'm glad you're not a last pass user
1: yeah i'm glad uh nobody i know is a last pass user so i haven't had to put out any fires <laughs>
0: uh, i'm pretty sure i saw swift on security like low-key say they're still gonna be a last pass user if i read that correctly really which kind of surprised me because they are like completely shat on it and said yeah but i think i'm still gonna stay on it but huh. maybe i misread that i don't want to put words in their mouth let me look this up i'd have to look that up yeah now i'm getting off track but
1: <laughs> now we're talking about LastPass.
0: <laughs> we we weren't gonna talk about LastPass, but we did i'm not seeing it come yeah up.
1: if any of you listeners are using LastPass, though uh please switch <laughs> switch to bitwarden or keypass
0: one password. Even one password. It is, it is. I know this is more an open source discussion, but even one password. Yeah, I'm a big a fan better. of one
1: password. Actually,
0: yeah, you're a one password show. <laughs> Here, Swift on security. LastPass news alert. They pretty much like they cover everything that went wrong, and at the very end, they say current password setup. Primary vault is LastPass with two FA. Core fallback key accounts like email that allow password reset are only in a key pass database file with 20 character passwords synced via OneDrive plus 2FA. This is then further backed up with Backblaze using 40 character encryption key. I'm confused why they still use it.
1: Yeah, um that is weird because this isn't the only issue that LastPass has had. Now we can just talk about LastPass. I mean, they have a bad track record of security issues, so why you would stick with them, I don't know. I understand that like switching password managers can be challenging, for sure, but I kind of feel like current LastPass users are just trying to somehow come up with a justification for it, even though it doesn't really make any sense.
0: Yeah, and what's really interesting in this one is, it seems like they were aware of a lot of, of a lot of these issues before this happened. Swift on security. They said... I have always disagreed with their decision to not 100% encrypt all metadata, and this event shows that was a foolish choice when seen against the inevitable of the Entropy are complex electronic systems. Right. So if they were aware of this, why... Whatever. Uh. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I mean, to be honest with you, I like to think of my password manager as like an encrypted vault that everything goes in and everything's encrypted. If it has most things unencrypted, I wouldn't consider that to be a password <laughs> manager, personally. So I just wouldn't use it. <laughs> that's my two cents on it. I would I would switch to something that just encrypts everything, because obviously that's what it should be.
0: Yeah. Well, we're on the topic of password <laughs> managers, so let's tie this back here. Another complaint I have. And this is so key pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: KeyPass is all that I've used since I, like, entered the privacy world. I I never liked the concept of an online database, even though I understand, like, the technology behind it and how, like, it's encrypted on your end before it's uploaded. So, like, it's fine as long as things are implemented properly. Like, there's no big deal for all those listening. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't use cloud-based password managers, though I do objectively think you're probably better keeping something completely offline. It's always going to be safer, but online stuff isn't unsafe if it's done properly. KeyPass clients. There's like a million KeyPass clients. Yeah. And they're like mostly all bad. Mostly. (laughs) There's like KeyPass XC, which I think is great for desktop. It still doesn't beat maybe like 1Password's clients, but I think it's like overall pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then Strongbox, I think is phenomenal on like Mac OS, iPad OS, iOS. And I've used like every major operating system. Android, I think, is the worst. Keypass DX is okay, but it doesn't integrate with cloud services very well. Mm. So then you have to look at Keypass to Android, which I believe you delisted on privacy guides because they haven't been keeping up with like newer security features released from Android. Right. So now, are we going to get a Keypass to Android fork that just fills in those features? And then, so I guess this is what I'm saying is like, what would happen if like we just took all our money? Like, all the money that goes into these projects, all the time and energy, and just put it into one central person and just put together, like, a nice cross-platform for every device, keypass pass client. Mm-hmm. Would that be better for the open source community? I'm not saying we should do that. I'm just asking the question, is that a, a net gain or a net loss?
1: I think uh, that's the other thing with the open source community. I don't want to say it's a problem because it's definitely, like many people consider it to be a feature. It has like pros and cons, you know, but I think that when clients, when a lot of different like pieces of software become more advanced and more centralized and more like cross platform like that, like they tend to be commercialized. Um, And then they have like teams and businesses that run it instead of like the open source community. And that's how things tend to be like when things get really popular and really used. Um. So that's that kind of seems like what you're proposing here. It's like having one central entity do everything. I think you'd see. I mean, we do have Bitwarden, which is kind of like that. Um, it just exactly. doesn't use the KeyPass standard. But
0: exactly. So, what is the advantage of? So, for those listening, just to like clear the air, KeyPass is like a, an open standard. Anyone can build a KeyPass client. Anyone can build anything that integrates with the KeyPass database. It's all open source. You can do whatever you want with it. Bitwarden is also open source. Can is it built on any kind of standard?
1: Uh, as far as I know, it's its own implementation. But I mean, like, you can build custom Bitwarden clients for it because like the client and the server are both like open source. I don't know if anyone right. does because Bitwarden just does it for you right but i know theoretically someone could people have built like custom servers like nobody runs the production bitwarden server on their own they run like vault warden or something
0: and i'm guessing that there's a pretty easy way to export bitwarden stuff and import it into other password managers so in this i'm not i don't want to tie this to every open source example but in this example what is the real advantage that keypass is bringing to the table over bitwarden for end users via its implementation here? Because I feel like Bitwarden, even though I'm not a Bitwarden user and I don't really like using Bitwarden, I tried it and it didn't work for me. Is Bitwarden not objectively better in almost every way because it has a central team that can push out new features right away. They, they can like very easily integrate with new things like simple login. It's a very central experience on all devices, yet it's still open source and transparent and gives users um, the, the peace of mind they need to use a password manager without the messiness of key pass.
1: right i think um i think it's just a matter of bitwarden not being as flexible with data storage you have to store it in like a centralized server whether that's like the official servers or like one that you run yourself you have to be running this full time syncing application at all times on like a central server to sync your passwords whereas key is just a file you can store anywhere i think if like uh if bitwarden had um like file just a file storage option where like you could have an encrypted vault file, I think that would be um that would probably be the best choice for for most people over KeyPass.
0: got it, but it's a pretty niche use case
1: to store in a in a file
0: I feel it is unless someone wanted to cloud sync it themselves, but then you have a key pass situation, yeah Which again, but like, I mean I it's,
1: guess it's easier to cloud sync like uh just a file with any cloud storage provider. Whereas like with vault warden, you have to be running like a server somewhere, like a Linux server that runs the code. Got it. Um, I don't know. I think there's definitely been like in password manager specifically, there's been a shift to cloud storage. So there's not a lot of like key pass alternatives. Um, I know like a lot of like one password, for example, used to let you store it in a vault file. It used to work just like key pass, um, or you could have a file and just open that and sync it however you want it. But now they uh, they only support their cloud service in the newer versions. That's a bummer. Yeah. How did we get here?
0: <laughs> just general, like, open source projects and stuff.
1: But, yeah, I think, like, that's, that's the issue that we're... With oversaturation, like, we're going to see a lot of, like, very specific uh, purpose clients in all of these different categories like for password managers we see keypass dx which is just on android and like there might be other android tools out there for keypass databases but there isn't like a single keypass app for everything and you see that for lots of stuff like there's a lot of platform specific stuff um it feels like uh with a lot of open source projects they just build like people want to build what works for them they don't really want to build something that works for everybody for free. Um,
0: so um and here's what bums me out. Hmm. When someone does try to build something that's not just for themselves, I feel like it doesn't get very much support or the implementation is just not great. And so I was looking this up right now. AuthPass, do you remember authpass?
1: No. Is that how do you spell that? A U T H or O F F?
0: Here, i send off? you the link, A-U-T-H. Off. When you see the logo, you're going to recognize this. Probably, yeah. I think. So when this was released, I was really excited for this, because I'm like, oh, wow, finally, someone, like, is actually trying to release a Windows client, a Mac OS client, a Linux client, an iOS client, and an Android client for their KeePass client, with native CloudSync integration, and password autofill for Android. Hmm. Which are, like, two of, like, some of the most, like, lackluster things in a lot of the KeePass databases. So I was really excited for this. And this doesn't even support, like, the newest um, the newest encryption standard for KeePass. I tried importing my KeePass database. Oh, we don't support that encryption. So I think KeePass really? 2.0, hmm. whatever the newest, the newest encryption standard is, which isn't even that new. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, why doesn't... It- <laughs> that that that's like i can't even import my keypass database into this um and i feel like i don't know like what the shortcoming is there i never reached out to them or anything i guess i could do that but i feel like no one really talked about this and maybe i'm guilty of like maybe not talking about it more either but like i can only do so much and i'm not like that huge relatively speaking in the privacy world i can't do that much but like i didn't hear anyone talk about offpass really um so I guess I I'm I'm just expressing frustration that like we don't see more services like AuthPass mm-hmm. and it kinda sucks to not see AuthPass, I guess, be what I wanted it to be. Because then it literally could be like a, oh hey mom, you use LastPass, just download authpass. You wouldn't even know it's a key database. Like they just download AuthPass on all their devices and it would just natively cloud sync using Google Drive or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, they don't even know what they're using. And that's why I, like, signal so much either. Like, they don't really know what's going on. Like, they don't know that there's, like, double ratchet encryption going on. That's, like, and all the metadata isn't being shared. All they're doing is typing in a phone number and then seeing their contacts pop up. And they just message them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you don't get that with Linux either. I think
1: that, I mean, that is, like, the... I think they're completely different philosophies that people in the open source community have versus, like, regular people have. I think you're right that people don't want to know what's going on in general. They don't want to know how things are working. I don't know if that's for better or for worse. I think there's an argument to be made that maybe people should know more about how their how the stuff that they use works. But I think um, it's it's easy to see why a lot of people maybe in the open source community wouldn't want to be using something like AuthPass um, that does everything for them because they want to have that control. I think that's the ultimate thing. They want to have control over everything that they own. They don't want another entity handling things for them. So uh, you, you won't really see a lot of adoption of stuff like that among power users. And then that kind of turns into a thing where it doesn't really get recommended to, friends and family because people aren't using it so it's kind of a catch-22 it's hard to hard to build something that satisfies every single person of course
0: so maybe the oversaturation that we feel is there's an oversaturation of power power open source tools and not Mm -hmm. enough and like generic end user open source tools yeah do you think that's a valid argument to make? I think
1: so. I Because I, I think it definitely comes back to that thing where a lot of power users are more willing to use multiple tools, I think, at the end of the day. So multiple tools will exist because people will choose the ones that work best for them in a specific cir- circumstance.
0: Got it. This also ties into what I say a lot too, which is like I love the tools that I can recommend to people that make things very simple for them. Brave comes to mind. Brave is an open source tool that... I think is like better than chrome i can't think of a single thing chrome does better than brave um i don't know if you can
1: Mm, not off the top of my head outside outside
0: not having the crypto crap like that's like the one thing and (laughs) instead like instead of the crypto crap chrome still has like all the google crap that's like Mm -hmm. sign in with google and like everything's like super so if you're in google suite it's nice just like how if you're into brave suite it's nice i guess (laughs) So I guess that's the only complaint. But yeah, like maybe the syncing's a little bit smoother cuz it integrates directly with your Google account. Right. But that's I actually mean... why I like Brave Sync, is it doesn't integrate with a Google account. So mm-hmm. I like Brave, I like Signal. <laughs> For Firefox users using Tor is pretty much like it's inconvenient, it's slower, but at least like the user experience is very easy and mm-hmm. anyone can grasp how to use Tor. Yeah, it's still an ultra-powerful tool. So I guess, like, I feel like there there are ways to bridge power users with end users because I think that, like, Grandma can use Tor. It'll be super slow, and she'll be like, why is everything taking so long? As long as you set it to, like, the third safety level. If you do second or first, it's probably going to be a little too restrictive. But, like, the lowest safety level of Tor I think Grandma can use and really not notice much outside the speed and maybe the catches. Yeah. And the power user is going to use Tor as well. So I guess, like, is it possible to strike that balance more often in open-source software is a big question.
1: Um, yeah, it's just tricky. I mean, all of the things that you mentioned are projects that are run by big companies, right? Like the Tor Project or Mozilla or Brave. Um, I think when you, when you get into that territory, I don't know.
0: What are your favorite open-source projects?
1: Um, well, the open-source projects that I use, <laughs> I, I mean, you don't like it. I like Matrix a lot, so. uh-huh. Um probably my favorite at the moment, um, because I think it's probably making the biggest difference in like, how people use the internet, is Mastodon, um, because I think that this new uh like federated social networking is much better than than what it's replacing and i'm glad to see that it's like in the last two months it's seen some pretty major adoption from people um and even that i guess that's not really a big organization but they've still managed to put out like a very polished um set up and yeah. it's and it's pretty much completely controlled by one guy which is the other thing you'll see with major projects, um, a lot.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that two services you picked are like federated, <laughs> and more. Well, Matrix is more of like a protocol. There, I.
1: I mean, you know me, but I'm a, very, I'm a big believer in like uh, federated, <laughs> federated
0: standards and like protocols because even mastodon relies on it relies on it doesn't rely but it it hooks into activity Activity as well Mm -hmm. and so yeah i'm definitely seeing where your head's going there i think i i generally tend to prefer like the the dictatorship services at least in the (laughs) short term like i don't think they're the best because i think the thing you enjoy i also you know i don't love matrix But I do really like the federated social media stuff as well, because I think Mm -hmm. it's done well. Like, I use ActivityPub. I have a Bookworm account. I have a PixelFed account, and it all integrates in my Mastodon feed, and it works. Like, I never have issues. The only thing that happens is sometimes it's slow because, like, Mastodon.social is slow, and now I'm migrating away from it because it's super slow, and... (sighs) I'm like no one should use it because it's so slow. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant said I was also on Matrix.org for a long time, but also Matrix.org didn't allow me to switch instances without losing my direct messages. So yeah, that's a issue as well. Like I'm not going to lose all my direct messages mm-hmm. over years just because I want a, a faster experience. So that sucks, and I don't know if there's ever going to be a way to transfer maybe like end-to-end encrypted messages without like a whole like vault export and re-import situation. It's not as easy for sure because there has to be some kind of like key exchange i assume to a new account yeah mastodon doesn't have to worry about end-to-end encryption but either way i think my implementation is my bigger concern there and that's why i like these dictatorship services i like i call them dictate like signal i consider a dictatorship service which is just like moxie's Mm -hmm. not with them anymore at least he's not like the founder what what do they call him because he's not a ceo because it's not a company it's a
1: I thought he was the president, but president. I might, I might be making that up.
0: <laughs> I think you're right. I think it was president. It, it, Moxie would just be like, we're, we're doing this. We're doing mobile coin. We're doing that. We're doing this. And like sometimes wrong shots are made, but like Signal, I think, has been able to progress so quickly because it doesn't have to worry about that stuff. But maybe Matrix will beat them in the long run because Matrix is going to have a much better standard that allows people to customize the experience to their liking. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's also like a short-term versus long-term gain here as well for these services and maybe so we're gonna see with mastodon too like i think we're already starting to see people like see the issues with twitter and how mastodon solves those issues so like twitter may have been a much better experience for a long time because it was centralized and they can just push out new features to everyone just like that but now with twitter making like more and more questionable decisions um maybe mastodon will like in the long run be the better alternative does that make sense
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean it's it, it definitely allows for faster development, right? I think uh you you run into issues when uh when like that one person starts making decisions that make no sense. You know? Or like if they can't handle it. <laughs> Cause there 'cause there's definitely like open source projects that like the person in charge like uh uh, I, I I think there's a lot of burnout in the open source community when that when there's one person in charge of everything. Like if one person can't handle the stress of like managing a community and like all of these issues and like working on the project and like triaging pull requests and all that stuff. Like if they can't handle managing everything, like I think a lot of people end up uh, quitting open source projects in, in some cases, especially like if they can't monetize it. I think there has to be Uh, With projects like that, there has to be a way to, like, scale up somehow. Like, I don't know if Mastodon is going to be able to continue um, having just, like, one main developer. Well, I know they already have, like, two.
0: And I think they want to get more. So. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say, like, a team. It's like, two. Okay. (laughs) No. I don't
1: think... I think there's only... As far as I know, there's, like, two paid developers. um, Which is the founder and one other person. Right now. I
0: wonder... I wonder why that is, because I feel like there's definitely enough ways to make enough money to bring a lot more people on board. So my guess is they don't want to.
1: I don't know if that's the case. I, well, and I know, like, in discussions with them, they've, like, sought investments in that kind of thing. But, like, people, there hasn't been a lot of interest in, from, like, investors in, like, investing in the main nonprofit. So I know like one thing they're considering right now is like maybe starting a hosting service um where they can where that's how they can get revenue if they sell hosted Mastodon instances um mm-hmm. but I I don't think there's a lot of like interest from investors in like investing in some hosting service versus investing in Mastodon itself but he doesn't want to take investments into Mastodon itself because he doesn't want to have like outsider control over the Mastodon code that kind of thing so it's kind of A difficult situation at the
0: moment as far as funding goes have you talked with eugene
1: uh not like directly i've okay uh recently i was in like their uh i don't know how public it is they have a discord server i know patrons can get in it i think some like larger server owners can get in it um but there's a lot of discussions going on there about like the future of mastodon
0: got it well, that's interesting. Well, if people are interested in that, that could be a good, cool thing to join. Yeah. I didn't know they had a Discord server. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start bringing this back, unless you have something else, another thought, or anything.
1: Uh, No, I don't think I had anything else to say about that.
0: All right. So I'm going to try to do my best to summarize this. So we talked about... I guess what we define as, like, oversaturation, which I think we, we kind of realized was less so just, like, the total number of services, but maybe, like, the amount of services that just attempt to solve one issue with another. So you have all these services that just kind of solve one thing, but none of them really do everything properly. Um, and a lot of those branched-out services seem really geared towards power users. Mm -hmm. And there's very few open source projects that actually seem to gravitate towards being a functional, usable experience for just the average person. Maybe we can get into a whole discussion around whether or not people should be more interested in what technology is doing around them. Maybe that's a different talks, Because I think that is, you you kind of introduced that concept as well. It's like, well, maybe people should be aware of like what their password manager is doing (laughs) and they should be like taking more control of things. So maybe that's a whole different discussion we have at some point. Um, and then we also talked about a little bit of revenue models again. I know we talked about that earlier in a different Techler talks. And Mastodon federated platforms and things of that nature. Was there anything there that you wanted to add on to?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about LastPass. If you're using LastPass, <laughs> stop using it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've been saying that for a while and people still fought back a little bit they're like but why and it's like because they've had multiple incidents already and they don't seem to actually do much when they happen.
1: and this is a big one so if you (laughs) you didn't have a reason before there's a good reason now yeah
0: Yeah. it's now your time (laughs) get out while you still can before they just leak like just your literal passwords (laughs) i'm not saying they're going to do that but Put bad, Things just but... keep looking worse for them. Yeah, and also it's not even like free anymore. You know, like oh, it I is. Mean, but the changes it's that to they make to their
1: free plan are just ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's. Last time I checked, it wasn't one device, but it was like one category of devices, which mobile was super weird. It was mobile or desktop. Mm-hmm. Like
0: <laughs> it makes no sense at all. So funny, man! <laughs> <laughs> it's. they're just trying to get everyone to the ipad workflow they're in on they're in on it with davinci resolve to release davinci resolve for ipad
1: yes have you been using that
0: i tested it out a little bit um i i really wish that they kept the edit panel instead of the cut panel because i actually never used the the cut panel is like their speed editing thing. It's inspired from uh, Final Cut a little bit, the way Final Cut does oh, quick edits. Interesting. That's DaVinci Resolve's main way of cutting, but I never liked it. But I also never really like tried it enough to really get into it. I just use the traditional edit panel, which is like a traditional NLE like Premiere and Vegas. Um, so they don't have the edit panel. So they have the cut panel and then the color panel, I believe. Hmm. Let, let me check. You
1: can't switch that out. That's interesting.
0: No, um, they don't have all the pan. It's not like full fledged DaVinci Resolve, oh. though. Interestingly enough, it seems to be some form of a universal app. That's... because like the the version numbers are the same.
1: I thought it was described as a full, like version. Of no,
0: that. no, 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 no. They they made it clear. So is that it, it was... missing quite
1: a few stuff? Or
0: it has a lot of the features. It just doesn't have all the same like workspaces. Like you don't have um, the audio editor Fairlight in there. There's no Fairlight. There's no edit pan- Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's cut and then the color. So, like, within those workspaces, you have all the features pretty much.
1: Hmm.
0: What's interesting, though, is I have DaVinci Resolve Studio. And it doesn't seem like they have a studio version, which I'm fine with. It's just totally free. I just downloaded it for free. Um, but, like, it'd be cool if they released a studio version with everything. And it'd be cool if my studio license for desktop carried over. But I like Black Magic enough to just buy it again. Because, like, I've already bought Studio twice. Not just because I like them so much. It's because, like, the first one I got was a physical key, and then I wanted the digital key. Because the digital key is, like, better in pretty much every way. Unless you have, like, ten computers on site, and you're only going to have one editor at a time, and you just want to share the mm. USB key right? Interesting. Sorry. a yeah, big, big answer to your question. Kind of unnecessary information. But <laughs> but maybe we... someone will find it interesting.
1: So do you think you're going to switch to... The iPad editing workflow for your channel? No. No? <laughs> no not anytime um,
0: soon? I'll give it a shot. Maybe like maybe even this video. This is a really easy video to edit. It's just cutting and then like the backgrounds. But even the backgrounds, like I'd have to copy and paste it over. I'll try it out. I think for this video, I'm going to try editing it on the iPad and see how it goes. Hmm. Or at least part of the workflow I'll do on the iPad. I don't know. I'll try it out. Cool. I yeah. think... One thing that I am annoyed about, so the way DaVinci Resolve handles project management is very different than other NLEs. Other NLEs, for example, you have a Microsoft document. You save it as a Doc X, and then you can export it as like a PDF. So the Doc X is like the editing format, and then like the final publishing format is PDF. You can in- insert anything you want there, but that's like the general workflow. Premiere is like that. I think it's ROJ. Premiere hmm. project, whatever the, I don't know what the acronym is, sure. but like that's the the file. You can save it to your desktop, you can move it to another computer, and then you can export it as an MP4 and upload it to YouTube. DaVinci Resolve doesn't really do that. DaVinci Resolve keeps everything inside its own internal database inside of the program. Hmm. And if you like look in the system files of DaVinci Resolve, you see like weird like split out versions of it. You can export them and then import them into Resolve, but you can't just, you can never like double click that backup file.
1: Interesting. And it just
0: opens in Resolve. You have to like backup and import a database, which is going to make it weird if I want to like maybe sometimes edit on the iPad, sometimes edit on the MacBook, because there's no easy way to like share the database between the two outside of this new cloud offering they have, which I can get like no information about and it's in beta. So. Oh yeah. I know you don't like beta things, so I am not a beta tester. I'm not a guinea pig.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. You're a guinea pig. Yeah, I do like all the beta stuff. I like to see what's upcoming, you know? I like to see what's coming next.
0: You always have tech problems.
1: No, it almost never causes tech problems. (laughs) (laughs) Except when it does.
0: Did you ever figure out, um, for those listening, Jonah tried As- Asahi Linux, which is like a way to run Linux, like dual boot Linux and macOS natively on a MacBook yeah. on M1. Did you ever figure out if Asahi's is what broke your uh, macOS issue? No, or-
1: I never definitively figured out what caused all those problems, but I still do not have working messages in iCloud to this day. <laughs> It's like broken on my account somehow. So I don't know. Wow. I th- I kind of think it's an account issue, but I don't know how to get this fixed because it's the weirdest issue that not a single person has ever had before besides
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's from Asahi, maybe not. Um <laughs> who knows. Have they made any progress, Asahi?
1: Um I haven't heard anything from them recently, and I don't I don't use it myself, so I don't like keep super up to date with it but i haven't heard any major things um i do think they got the last thing i heard was that they got the gpu working to some extent recently so like there's some graphics acceleration now which is cool making progress there
0: that's cool it'd be really cool if they get that going because then i feel like maybe i'm wrong i'm not a gamer is linux gaming better than mac os gaming
1: um that's a good question. I would guess that it is, because I think that Proton. That's what I'm guessing. Not to be yeah. not to be confused with mail, <laughs> But <laughs> Proton I think ProtonDB, right? I think Steam's Proton is um pretty good now. And I and it's not on Mac as far as I. I'm pretty sure it's not on Mac. I've never actually tried it, but I think it's Linux think only. So. And, and I
0: think it supports anti-cheat now.
1: Yeah. That's, to some extent. Yeah. So I would guess that it's probably way better on Linux than macOS, but there are, I mean, quite a few of the apps in my Steam library work on my MacBook, so I haven't had any issues either, but I don't play a lot of games. I'm not a big gamer.
0: (laughs) You you seem like a gamer.
1: (laughs) Do I? No, no, you don't.
0: (laughs) I wish I could be more into gaming.
1: Yeah, I do too. It seems like a good pastime, but I don't have time for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, I think we're getting a little off-topic. I hope people like the banter, but um, <laughs> let's go ahead and end this one. So if you made it this far, we both appreciate you very much. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you got something out of this, or at least it sparked some questions for you. Um, definitely feel free to leave comments down below with any observations yeah. um, and anything. Yeah.
1: Anything that you want us to talk about. <laughs> Give yeah, us some ideas. Like,
0: yeah, this one, we, we didn't have anything to talk about because, like, we missed the last past thing. There was no current event. And so we just messaged each other 30 minutes before with something to do. So if you have any ideas, definitely leave them down below for any, like, interesting debates or discussions or or anything for us to talk about to, like, unpack. And hopefully we can add some insight into to things. Hopefully. I don't know if we are. I think we are. because People <laughs> seem to like these talks a lot. Except the the... The censorship one. People didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: that was predictable.
0: <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty predictable. We do like people we refer to the haters many times in that one. So all right. Um thanks everyone for watching. Also, um, as of right now, these aren't like sponsored or anything. So if you enjoy these talks and you want us to keep doing them, definitely go ahead and check out our Patreon at patreoncom techlore. Um, just to let us know that you like these and keep us going back here. Um, There's other support methods down below as well. If you don't like Patreon, we have things like Monero and many other support methods that you can use to support TechLore. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And I'll see you, Jonah, and I'll see everyone else next time on TechLore Talk 7.
1: All right.